It's time to accelerate. Hi, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Join me as I host conversations with the leading experts in sales, marketing, sales automation, sales process, leadership, management, training, coaching, any resource that I believe to help you accelerate the growth of your sales, your business, and most importantly, you. Hello, and welcome to Accelerate. I'm excited to talk with my guest today. Joining me is Jason Van Orden, one of the co-founders of Internet Business Mastery. Now, one of the the great freedoms enabled by innovation and technology is entrepreneurship and the ability for anyone to start a business that empowers them to pursue their passions, be their own boss, work their own schedule, and live a lifestyle that they really desire. And my guest today, Jason Orden, has helped thousands of entrepreneurs realize this vision. And today he's going to talk with us about one of my favorite topics, which is how to get unstuck in life, you know, how to take the first steps to making a meaningful change that can truly transform your life and your business. So Jason, welcome to the show. Thanks. I'm so glad to be here. Well, I appreciate you taking the time. So take a minute. I just had sort of a very skimpy introduction for you. Give us a second. Give us some more about yourself and you know, how you got started in this business and how you ended up where you are today. Yeah, well, I, you know, if you had asked me 15 years ago where I'd be, I would not have at all described what I do now. So what were you doing then? I was an engineer. I went to five years of engineering school. I ended up a software engineer for three years. And then I got the heck out of the cubicle because it (laughs) it became very clear to me that uh, employment was not what I was meant for. It was very frustrating to the point of even getting depressed at going, you know, the prospect of going to work every day. And, you know, to make a long story short, it it was a long process of of discovery and looking around, you know, considering, do I go back to grad school? What's missing for me? What would fulfill me more? Um, and finally discovering books like Rich Dad, Poor Dad, uh, you know, and realizing, mm-hmm. oh, there's another path. And maybe business ownership would be something that would allow me to live a much more fulfilled life, one that's not beholden to the status quo system of the nine to five. And, um, you know, but then the, the question was, well, what kind of business? And I'll, I'll tell you, like, it was a very, it's been a very circular path of going through, a circuitous path, maybe is the word, going through real estate investing, learning about marketing, trying to be a full-time musician, uh, trying various business models out, um, discovering I loved marketing, was good at marketing, being a marketing consultant for a while. Uh, making some workshops and programs as a marketing consultant, needing more ways to sell my programs and services. So learning internet marketing in order to sell more of my stuff uh, through internet marketing, discovering podcasting and and starting a handful of podcasts uh, back in 2005, one of which is Internet Business Mastery, still going over 10 years uh, later. Um, and for a short while, enjoying actually a position as as the go to person for business podcasting, speaking at conferences, writing a book, uh, you know, doing lots of of coaching, consulting, mm-hmm. and courses around that topic too. Um, at a time, I finally let that go because Internet Business Mastery just took off in a way that we never um, expected. And that's been my primary pursuit for the last, uh, I don't know, six or seven, well, about six years until about a year ago when I was ready for a change. Like I said, we've been doing that about 10 years. Um, We still do the show. I still love doing that show, but I was ready for new challenges and new pursuits as well. And an opportunity presented itself in uh, the form of a woman that was working with us as a consultant doing some stuff and the decision 
finally dawned on my business partner and I that we just needed to put her at the helm of the business and say, look, you run the show now. Um, we've been doing this 10 years. It's time for somebody else to take the reins. We'll continue to be the voice in the face, but it's your job now to maintain and grow this thing. And she's done a fantastic job, which has just been phenomenal now to open up my time to other um, pursuits. But there you go. That's like my entrepreneurial history in a right. very condensed uh, format. All right. There's um, two, two questions. So let's bring sure. it on quick. First of all, Tell us about being a musician. What did you play? What were you? What type of music? What were you doing? Sure. So uh, concurrent to my engineering degree, I got a two-year guitar degree. I, I was very passionate about playing guitar. I loved performing. Um, you know, my mom sang and played guitar. My dad was a drummer. I ended up marrying a musician. I, I met my wife. We were in a band together. Oh, really? So I was a guitar player. And we were in a jazz band together is when we met. And then we were in a rock band together. And then we got married and, and moved uh, to the big city, Salt Lake City, which was, you know, an hour and a half away from the, the university we went to. And we were very serious about an alternative rock band in the early 2000s. It was kind of like uh, Gwen Stefani if she joined uh, Incubus and, and you had Flea <laughs> as the bass player. That was, that was our band. Um, and we were very, like I said, very serious about it. That's where I discovered I was good at marketing because I had to figure out how to market my band. And, uh, you know, and, we and you're, not the about, first, you're not the first person to be on the show that's had that background that said, hey, oh, I, really? learned, I learned about well, Anthony Iannarino, who's uh, big in the sales circles. Uh, same thing. Had a rock band, went, moved from Ohio to Los Angeles and learned about how to sell and market by booking gigs for the band. And, and that's so cool. Yeah. I, I mean, I look back fondly on those days of being a musician. I mean, eventually the band broke up and it was very disheartening and lost its momentum. And and I, I think when the reality, I mean, this is before YouTube. This is before like, it, you know, today there's so many amazing tools to market yourself as a musician, but, um, it was a little, I, I don't know, a little harder online back then, but, um, just thinking about going through the, the traditional route of the music business has been very broken as we all know for quite a while. And, and we just decided eventually it wasn't really conducive to the life we wanted to have. And so we decided music would be a for fun passion thing and not our primary pursuit in life. And very soon after that, I started pursuing seriously being a business and that and being an entrepreneur and that just took over my, you know, Got my it. time and energy, <laughs> creative powers. So that's yeah, kind of how that one went. Well, the other thing that I was going to say, which is, is a great story, by the way, but the other story was when you brought this person on to run your business is it enabled you to, I presume that was part of your decision. You lived overseas for a while. You know, funny enough, it was actually after oh, okay. I got back from Paris that she became the CEO. Um, so I still was pretty, I was still very active, I mean, but because the, the business is virtual, you know, we can live wherever. And my wife had, uh, you know, has a vir she works virtually online as well. Um, you know, of course there's a time difference change. I did find I would work a lot more in the evenings because, you know, the, the United States was earlier when my business partner and, and other people we work with. But, um, yeah, actually it wasn't until that, you know, and that's an interesting point that you bring up. I mean, it, I think what made me realize I was ready for a change was reaching this pinnacle moment of, of lifestyle that I had, I had envisioned for myself living in Paris with my wife and family, right? Even before I was an entrepreneur, I envisioned that for myself, not knowing how I would ever make it happen. And here it was, I was there in that moment. And while it was amazing and fulfilling in so many ways, I also, you know, had this strange, like at some point, like you're walking down the streets of Paris with this amazing art architecture around you and it's becoming very commonplace and every day, right? Mm -hmm. And and actually, even though I was in this amazing experience of living overseas, I started feeling stuck, which is something we're going to talk we're about. Talk about today, right. Right. And, and that's, it was just kind of this interesting wake up moment where it's like something's missing. And, and I, 
I did realize after some soul searching that I was starting to stagnate, which necessitated what I needed was a sabbatical. I just had no idea how to make that happen since my business is so dependent still on me being present as a creative mind in it. Um, and thankfully the, the creative solution presented itself shortly after coming back from Paris and has freed me up. But, um, yeah, we, I mean, it was just running a virtual business from overseas, anywhere there's an internet connection, right? You so, can do it. Excellent. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I was posting episodes of my podcast while I was in Paris over <laughs> between Christmas and New Year. So, uh, let's talk about getting unstuck because you, you and your partner, Jeremy, had written a, um, an ebook about seven tips to get unstuck. You're going to talk about motivating change in your life. And I want to run through the, the tips because I thought they're very appropriate, uh, not only for people looking at making a change career wise, but you know, an entrepreneur that's running a business, uh, feeling stuck that they're just getting the growth of the results they want and they're not really sure, you know, what it is or even somebody in sales that's, you know, working with customers and they feel a little stuck. So the first one, first habit is, uh, or seven tips, let's say, is create a tiny habit. Mm. Um, yeah, I just thought about, you know, <laughs> in my, you know, longest journey begins with a single step. But but the problem is, and I think you guys identified, is that when people look at making a change, they tend to sort of say, well, I'm going to do Make big change, right? Big mm-hmm. change, and then it's not sustainable. So yep. tell us about a tiny habit. Yeah, this was a great discovery for someone like me who's a perfectionist, and I can be very all or nothing when I try to make a change. It's like if I'm not going to do the perfect workout with the optimum, optimum diet and I'm not ready to commit to all of it right now, then it's like, well, I'm not even going to try until I am ready to fully commit to all of that, which is just not realistic to think you know that way. It means that you do a whole lot of nothing and just staying the way you were. And whenever you feel stuck, it often means that something needs changing. Like your current habits, your current way of thinking, your current way of operating systems, associations with people, whatever is not serving you well. And, you know, we are growth oriented beings and and growth means change, but change is hard. And there's a wonderful professor by the name of BJ Fogg out of Stanford, who that is the only thing he studies and teaches is behavioral change in human beings. What leads us to have a change? And he's he's found that one of the most effective things is simply taking baby steps towards change. Um, You know, every once in a while we get lucky and have one of those big epiphanies. Maybe we have a near death experience. Maybe for some reason, just something happened, a divorce or something big happens in our life, it's an epiphany and and throws us into change. Yeah, that might happen, but you know that's not as common, right? Um, you know, another thing that can get, create changes is changing your environment. I do remember when I first moved to Paris, I was actually able to implement some interesting changes in my life just because I was in a completely different place and all my associations with old behaviors, all my old triggers, you know, were were different. Not all of us have the the, the ability or the, the luxury of just being able to change our environment all of a sudden. Um, and so that leaves us with the, the third most effective and dependable thing that can be done. And that is to create baby steps. And so the, the idea, like just the example that he gives, um, is like, let's say you're trying to get in the habit of flossing your teeth and this can be applied to fitness. It can be applied to, Hey, you're trying to write a book. It can be applied to, you're trying, you know, better relationships, whatever the case may be. And you just start with the simplest, most dead, um, easy thing you can possibly think of. It's like, you know what, I'm going to get up and, you know, what I'm going to do is one push up a day. I'm going to floss one tooth. I'm going to write one sentence. And that may just seem ridiculous. Like what in the world is even the use of doing that? And as somebody, again, perfectionist who wants to see the result in order to feel like I'm good enough. Um, that's not the point. What you're doing is you are laying down the pathways of new behavior. And it's not about results at first. It's about just doing the thing. And all of a sudden you find yourself reaching a tipping 
starting point. It might take 30 days. It might take 60 days. But next thing you know, it becomes very easy to floss the whole mouth to do the 20 push-ups to write 500 or 1,000 words. But you have to start with the tiny habit. And in fact, he's got a wonderful little website he's set up called tinyhabits.com that talks all about it. Yeah, and I think that for people thinking about this, let's say you're a sales rep out there, is, is you have some call reluctance, or you're a solopreneur, you just started your new business, and you know that you need to go out and make some calls and and meet people and start having conversations. Is instead of putting on your to-do list or your calendar, you know, make 20 calls today, make one, make two, spend yeah. five minutes, block it out in your calendar every day. I'm going to spend 10 minutes or five minutes doing this, and as your point, you know, at some point then you've ingrained that habit, it's, it's commitment to change has been fully incorporated into your activity. And then taking that next step becomes much easier. And one other little piece is that you have to have something that triggers the behavior. So, you know, if it's if it's the floss, maybe, you know, as soon as you finish flossing, you rip off the next piece of floss and you drape it over your toothbrush or whatever. So that next time you go to brush your teeth, boom, the floss is there. It's the trigger. Right. right. Or maybe you tell yourself, it's like, look, as soon as my feet hit the floor when I get out of bed, that's when I go down and I do one push up or uh, the moment I boot up my computer, that's the trigger. Um, but yeah, it's, it's the focus on execution and not the outcome or results at first is key to changing behavior. And mastering that change that you've made. And I think that's a critical part. I remember a study reading from some scientists at MIT talking about change mastery and they're saying, you know, people try to do too much at once as I talked about first. I said, is, you know, take a small change, integrate it into your, your process, your lifestyle, your life, whatever your schedule master it, and then add the next step. Absolutely. All right, good. So that's tiny habit. Uh, next one is surround yourself with success and support. You know, build, build a community that's there to support you and to help you succeed. Yeah, again, change is really difficult. And if you're around, uh, and the, the sad truth is often when you try to enact change in your life, the people around you, well, they don't want you to change. Because maybe it, you know, triggers their own fears of change or maybe they're, you know, they're just perfectly comfortable with the way you are, with the way things are right now. And so whenever you go to change a, a, a key behavior in your life, you need to have the moral support of people who understand and are ideally trying to reach similar things. So, you know, when I first started trying to become an entrepreneur and specifically early, early on, I was trying to become a real estate investor was what I was pursuing. You know, I, one of the key lessons I learned from Robert Kiyosaki's books was go and find other people who are doing similar things to associate with, which I think just harkens back to the whole mastermind idea out of think and grow rich. Right. And that's what I did is I like, I found a group of people, um, who, who were also in Salt Lake city meeting at a library, talking about real estate investing once a week. And it was just like, it kept it fresh in my mind. It gave me moral support and it, um, you know, it, it just, it's so valuable to realize that you're not alone in what you're trying to do, that you're, you're in it with other people and that other people are trying to, you don't feel uh, broken or different or, you know, it's, it's easier not to get disillusioned or discouraged by the people who don't understand. Um, because the truth is like maybe the people closest to you, your parents, your spouse, your friends, they may or may not understand what you're trying to do. So it's, it's really, really important to find that support in the form of a mastermind, a coach, a mentor, a meetup group, whatever the case may be. Yeah, and the thing is, the meetup groups, the masterminds, uh, you know, if you're an entrepreneur, it could be uh, doing something like Vistage or EO or you know, any one of those organizations that exist is finding people, as you said, going through the same, the same journey that you're going through. Because you said your spouse, they may be supportive, but they may not understand exactly what you're going through. And, and these are 
great ways to learn lessons that help you improve and to make the change that you want to make. Absolutely. Yep. And, and it's, uh, you know, it, when, when it comes to associating with, I mean, there's so, there's so many Facebook groups, meetup, there's so many ways to find people um, today. We've all had that experience of going to a conference and you just get fired up. And, and for me, it's just because I'm around other people who are passionate about exactly. similar things. Yeah, exactly. So if you can get that in your life weekly, monthly, daily, maybe, I mean, that, that's, it's an amazing source of energy. Okay, great. Well, we're going to come back and talk about the remaining five in just a second. We're going to take a short break. We'll be back with my guest, Jason Van Orden. Hi, this is Andy. Connect and Sell is used by sales reps at nearly a 1,000 companies, including hundreds of technology startups and several Fortune 500 companies, to overcome the challenges of getting prospects on the phone. Companies using Connect and Sell grow their revenues faster by enabling their sales reps to have more sales conversations in 90 minutes than they could otherwise achieve in an entire week. Connect and Sell can be deployed directly to your sales reps, or you can take advantage of their outbound on-demand service, which delivers qualified prospect meetings scheduled directly on your sales reps' calendars. Visit connectandsell.com to learn more about how Connect and Sell can start filling your pipeline today. Welcome back. Talking to my guest, Jason Van Orden. We're talking about how to get unstuck in life and business and your work. Uh, we talked about uh, seven tips that uh, Jason and his partner Jeremy had written about in an ebook about how to get unstuck. One of my favorite topics, how to get unstuck. So we've gone through the first two. The third one is, is one that's very important and is, I remember reading about this really, it's sort of the first time in one of Marshall Goldsmith's books about, um, I think it was his Mojo book, about getting accountability partners. And this tip is get accountable. Find somebody to be accountable to. Yeah, the, you know, I had this big goal that came to me. One of the things that helped get me unstuck was, as I said, you know, hiring somebody to run the the company that was taking all my time. But I also needed a new challenge. I was realizing I had stagnated in my mastery. And, um, you know, I, I, I was doing a lot of soul searching, going on some personal retreats, doing some journaling. I mean, those are all little tips, too, about getting unstuck. Um, and at one point, I the thing that I determined, it's like, well, what would get me really excited? If my curiosity is stagnating, if I'm not having something that's kicking in my, my drive, of dis- and need for discovery because I know that's something that I need. What would do that? And and the thing that came to me was uh, to write a best selling a best selling book, a book that could become a bestseller. Um, and that's a big daunting thing, right? I don't know all the at least I mean I know, I know better now. At the time, I knew very I had written a book, but you know it wasn't one that became a bestseller and wasn't quite as as big of a goal. And so you know I knew I had a lot to figure out. But one of the first things I did is told my wife, told my, uh, you know, mastermind group, told, you know, I started telling people that this was, was my plan. Right. And so, um, you know, and, and now I, I knew immediately I was going to need to focus on some tiny habits to help me start, impl- you know, the writing daily and, and uh, developing those habits. And again, change is really hard, but you know, it's proven that one of the things that helps us is accountability. Now I think accountability I, ideally is an intrinsic thing. It's something that we hold ourselves accountable. Um, but certainly having the support of others and knowing that others support, I mean, going back to the finding some and surrounding yourself with support, but knowing that somebody is going to, um, uh, you know, that you're going to be checking in with somebody and reporting results to them um, can, yeah, and making that commitment not only to yourself, but to others as well. Uh, you know, again, being a perfectionist, sometimes what it takes for me to finish uh, an ebook or a blog post or a course or whatever is I tell my audience, this thing is coming <laughs> and here's the date that you can expect it because, right. you know, then I have no choice but to get it out. I stop futzing around with it and I release the thing, a minimum viable product at the very least. So, right. So I think, right, I think a key takeaway here for people, and be very explicit about it with the people listening, is that 
you need to find what they call an accountability partner. And, you know, it could be somebody that uh, could be a peer, could, could be somebody in a completely different business from you. It doesn't have to be somebody that's in the same, same industry, but somebody that you mutually check in with each other on a daily basis, even saying, yeah, I've made some commitments the day before that what I was going to get done today. And, and Hey, did I get those done? You know, one of the things I do immediately after signing up for a course because uh, I still sign up for plenty of courses when I want to learn something new. I just signed up for a $2,000 course recently. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the first things I do is I try to identify, did one of my friends or colleagues sign up for the course as well? Or if not, you know, often these days there's some kind of community, a forum or a Facebook group. And I identify somebody and I, as an accountability partner and I set up meetings with them every Friday. And, and you know, I just say, hey, would you like to discuss these things, hold each other accountable and go through this process together? And it always elevates elevates the experience of going through that course. Okay, excellent. Point four, plan for success. So you're talking about a written plan for change. Yeah, it's it's really easy to say, I want to eat more greens. <laughs> and even to set the goal, you know, we talk about smart goals, right? right. Specific, meaningful. Honestly, I can't even remember what all the, the, the words in smart goals stand for, because I think um, <laughs> setting a smart goal itself is actually very insufficient. You got to think about, well, how am I actually going? What is the strategy that I'm going to use to make that happen? Um, So, for instance, right now, one of my focuses in my personal life is on my money mindset. And so, you know, my wife and I have committed to each other to do this together. This is something we want to. So this is just, you know, our relationship with money. We're realizing there's some areas that we can clean up around our relationship with money and the goals that we have for money in the future. We've hired a coach. We've hired a money coach. That's getting that accountability. That's getting some guidance, um, somebody to to support us in that. So we're, that's surrounding ourselves with support. And we're also going to be turning to this coach and looking like she's already given us some books to read because we're looking for a plan. Like if we want to, it, let's say the ultimate goal of for our money mindset is to, um, you know, have less anxiety around certain aspects of our money and to be that and to be uh, 20% more deliberate or whatever it might be about how we save and spend our money and, and track our money. Because as an aside, if I found out one, figured out one thing at this point of being an entrepreneur, I'll just make more money is not a solution to your money mindset problems. because no, it, just, no. it just amplifies them, right? And so I know I need when, you know, it's, it's just the basic things of how I track and set goals for or allocate money or, you know, I do it in my business. I just don't do it very well in my personal life. So I need a plan. I can't just say, well, I want to budget better. It's like, well, what does that mean? Or, Hey, if a budget hasn't been working for me in the past, what's a plan that will. So I need a strategy for tracking and allocating and relating with my money. And so I'm actively reading books, working with this coach to figure out what that strategy is going to be. So with the greens, it might be, well, I've got to make sure, you know, what's, let me come up with a strategy. And I might, what I often do is I might research or just brainstorm off the top of my head. 10 strategies that I could go and do. I'm not going to try all 10 of them at once. In fact, in the end, I'm going to prioritize usually down to focusing on one. And then usually what I do is I'll set a tiny habit around that one. So let's say the strategy, I've listed 10 of them and I've decided the one I'm going to focus on is drinking green smoothies because that sounds like an easy to a consistent way for me to get more greens, you know, put some protein and some spinach and blend it up with some ice and strawberries or whatever. Right. Okay. So now I've got a strategy. Well, what are the things that could potentially get in my way? I mean, I got to make sure that I buy, um, greens and I got to have them in the fridge. I can't just say, I'm going to drink more green smoothies. Like I got to think through, 
Um, how am I going to remember to make the green smoothie? Like at first, that might be hard for me to even think about it. Am I going to start with just maybe three leaves of spinach? Maybe that's the tiny habit. Three leaves of spinach with in some milk and right? So, you know, just thinking through some of those things. And okay, and one of the biggest things is what is the most likely friction or, or you know, what's the most likely point of failure? Right. There? And, and, and actually risks. starting to make a goal for those things. So it's, um, it's not sufficient to set a goal. You have to have a strategy and I think you have to prioritize your strategies and then focus on the one, maybe two that are the most promising and that you're the most motivated to do in order to reach that goal. Okay. So fifth one, you talk about find a framework. And I, I like the word you use talking about protecting from overwhelm, which is an interesting way to turn a verb into a noun. So yeah, that, that's really, this is the enemy of change, being overwhelmed, trying to do too much. So what do you mean with finding a framework? So let me take the example of when I was feeling stuck in Paris and feeling kind of, and, and I knew that I wasn't exactly sure why. I've kind of expressed now some of the reasons I discovered, you know, that I, I, I needed a break from my business. I needed more mastery and new challenges, but I didn't know that yet. Um, and so I had decided, well, I'm going to go on a personal retreat. I'm going to change my scenery and, and I'm going to get away and, and not have other expectations of people and whatever and just, uh, you know, do some thinking. And, and what, I, what I knew, one of the things, so there's a few things I knew I wanted to do on this retreat, but one of the things I, I knew I wanted was some kind of framework to walk me through reconnecting with what I needed in order to feel driven and fulfilled in my life again. And there's been a lot of different frameworks that I've followed. You know, a framework is just a system. Somebody who has taken, you know, true principles and turned it into a dependably followable system that gives you an insight or a result at uh, the end. So it might be a framework for tracking my money. It might be a framework with uh, connecting with my strengths. It might be a framework for, um, you know, there's a framework for, you know, launching an online business. What's about and, finding context for what you're trying to do? Yeah, ab absolutely. I mean, that's uh, for people to think about. I mean, the, the terminology framework I like, but I mean, bottom line is you're, you're creating a context for why you want to make this change. And here's, here's the interesting thing is there's a lot of you know, I think that at the core of a good framework is true principles, but there's a lot of different approaches to a thing. So, um, you know, if I were to say, if let's say that I knew that I needed a vision and I needed to create a vision and I needed to be able to connect with that vision regularly because I've read that successful people stay connected with an inspiring vision. Well, one framework for doing that would be, you know, the classic vision board where you cut out pictures and you, you know, and you, you go get a bunch of magazines and you mm -hmm. look through them and you cut them out and you pay, right? That's never been one that's really worked or connected with me, right? So, I, you know, there's other frameworks that I use for connecting with what do I really want in life? You know, maybe, I mean, I mean Tony Robbins has books about this. What do I really want in life? You can find ones on the end of the spectrum that are a little more woo-woo and ones that are a lot more like scientific and left-brained and logical. Yeah, so, so you right? were strengths finder. I mean, that's a great, a great resource. Strengths finder is a wonderful framework framework for connecting with what you are good at in life. And as I went on this retreat, I took with me two or three books. I actually reached out to a bunch of friends and said, what are some frameworks, books, systems that have helped you connect with what you want in life? And I took a handful of them and I ended up actually one very specific one that ended up helping me because um, I took my strengths finder and just reading that it actually, for whatever reason in that moment, wasn't doing it for me, helping me reconnect. Um, it was actually a book by Daniel Laporte called The Desire Map that surprisingly ended up being exactly what I needed in that moment for connecting what I wanted in life. I won't go into all the details of that book, but she just lays out a very nice framework of identifying the feelings that you want to have on a regular basis in your life and how to engender those in order to, you know, feel more connected and fulfilled in, in your um, activities that you dedicate yourself to. So finding a framework, I'm just a huge fan of 
somebody out there has come up with some kind of solution, like quantified this, codified it, um, find one that works for you. Excellent. All right, number six, and we're coming down to the end here, is, is find a mentor. Yeah, whenever possible, when I go for a big, um, audacious goal, you know, it can, be, it can feel very, you don't know necessarily all the steps. You know, you have a vision of where you want to be. Maybe you've even come up with a plan or a strategy like we've talked about. Maybe you've even identified uh, a couple of the tiny habits for you to implement. But there's still just knowledge gaps. There's still just the fact that you don't know what you don't know. And sure, some things you can only learn through your own experience, but there are other people out there who have the experience behind them, you know, and finding that experienced mentor, somebody you can, uh, you know, every time I found an, a mentor that's, you know, they've been where I want to get and they can give me insights, um, you know, and, they, and I really have a good relationship with them. I, I don't think it's, it's, it's sufficient just to have somebody that you're paying to coach you. I think it's different. A mentor is invested in you in a different way. You know, and anytime I found a mentor, it's accelerated my progress. You know, I get answers to questions. It helps me get unstuck, obviously. Um, they give me feedback on my ideas. They might warn me of pitfalls I might run into and perhaps save me time and energy and stress of running into those pitfalls. They, they help me know what I have clarity and confidence about what I'm focusing on so I don't feel so overwhelmed and, and awash on all the different things that I'm trying to sort through and, and you know, because it's very easy to get in this position of everything feels important and, and there's so many different things it feels like you need to do. And the truth in most cases is it's an 80-20 uh, problem. You got to find the 20% of things that give you 80% of the results. Well, a mentor experience is one of the best ways to 80-20 a problem and, and zone in on exactly right. what's the most important thing. So that's why a mentor is so important. Well, I think the thing with a mentor, and you bring up a good point, is it's not just about having a coach and paying them. It's about you actually might have to do some proactive outreach to find and develop the mentor. And sometimes it's a matter of, you know, it's not just somebody you necessarily know in your life. Because a lot of times I talk to people about this and they're saying, yeah, I'm thinking about who I know that could do that. I said, well, you know, don't think about it that way. I mean, Who's done what you want to do that you could maybe develop a relationship and over time they become your mentor. Right. And, and, and most people who have, you know, they've had a lot of experience and, you know, I think it's very natural for people want to mentor people to have mentees. And so, you know, if you go about it in the right way, there's, I think you'd be surprised how many people are willing to, you know, cause we all have this natural human desire to contribute to things bigger than us and to leave legacies behind right. and, whether it's with our own kids or even other people around us, you know, like, you know, it's natural for us to, to, to want the opportunity to pass our experience and, and knowledge on to others. Right. All right. The last one we'll get into real quickly is, is everything else. Start now. Don't wait. You know, you have a, a great quote from the Roman philosopher Seneca about Seneca. You know, the whole future lies in uncertainty. Live immediately. Yeah, you can, you can, it's really easy to fall into the someday later trap. Um, and especially part of, the, part of the perfection trap as well. It's right? part of the perfection thing. Yeah. So it's like, oh, well, I want to get healthier, but I'm going to wait until I've lost weight. Know, I, I, I'm going to wait until, yeah, whatever. I'll wait until it's summer when I can get out more or something. Or I'll wait until, you know, my kids are a little bit older. Or I'll wait until I have more money to actually hire, uh, uh, you know, a, a 
a, a trainer or something like that. But you know, the truth is there's always a way to start now. And, and I think when people say they don't have the time, what really they're saying is they haven't prioritized yet. Um, you know, so it's like, let's just be deliberate. Let's know what our priority. Yes, you can't do everything all at once, but you know, have your priorities and, and make them a priority. There's always a way to get creative and find the time, find the means. And there's no day like today to be happy because the truth is like, if you are always saying someday later to everything, you know, you're just racing to the finish line and the finish line is death. So it's like, you know what, let's, let's live now. Um, and then the other quote here is by Annie Dillard, who says, how we spend our days is, of course, how we spend our lives. Um, so, you know, you can keep thinking, oh, well, later I'll change. But next thing you know, a, a day turns into a week, turns into a month, turns into a year and, and things aren't changing. Right. Um, so there's never a day like today to, to start making at the very least small changes in, tiny uh, habit. in getting unstuck. Yep. Right. Form that tiny habit. All right. Well, good. Well, we're going to move into the last segment of the show here. Where I've got some standard questions I ask all my guests. And, sure. and the first one's a hypothetical scenario. You're the star of the show in this scenario, which is you've just been hired as a new sales leader at a company whose sales have stalled and they need to get unstuck. So what two things could you do your first week on the job that would have the biggest impact? I would have all the salespeople sit down and do one-on-one -on -one interviews with people who are our ideal prospects. And, um, you know, go to lunch or go to coffee with them and just ask lots of questions to really empathize and get into the headspace of what, you know, what's the transformation, the outcomes they're looking for, what are the pains they're feeling, what are the obstacles they're running into, and how is it that we are, you know, why is our solution the absolute right thing for them? And it's all about discovery and empathy, not at all about sales for those interviews. It's just about, because I think the number one skill of any marketing or salesperson is, is empathy. And yep. so anytime that I am creating a new program or wanting to sell something or feeling stuck in, in writing copy or whatever, I, I'll get on the phone with somebody that is, you know, fits the description of my avatar. And that always helps unlock, um, you know, that the creative juices. Okay. So I think you just answered the next question, which was when you're out selling you yourself, what's your most powerful sales attribute? Empathy. Yeah, definitely. Empathy. Um, it's a skill that I'm continually trying to get better at. Not just, I mean, you know, I think we all hear about your relationships with your spouse or your kids and empathy, but it's just like in life in general. I mean, as humans, we don't, we tend to not be very good at, at putting ourselves, we want to just imagine that everybody in the world is like us and assume that that's just the case. Cause wouldn't that be easier and safer, but it's just not the case. And so, um, you know, the more you can study about human behavior and what makes people tick and, and how to get out of your own headspace and into the headspace space of someone else, the better you get at selling and influencing people. Okay. So who's been your business role model? Oh, I don't know if I can name just one. <laughs> no. One or two. Go ahead. Um, business role model. Man, that one's really catching me off guard. Who do I? You know, I think, okay, so somebody that um, right now I – I'm really focused on being more prolific with my ideas. I've mm -hmm. mentioned many times that I'm a perfectionist and that can keep me, I think, from being as prolific as I could or would, would like to be because I'm always trying to polish things or make sure they're really good before I put them out. Um, and somebody whose work I really look up to, and, and you know, she's not necessarily, I guess, directly a, a entrepreneur business person, though she does make a living off of her blog, but that's Maria Popova of brainpickings.org. And the thing that I really 
admire about her are, are the, the weight and importance of the ideas that she puts out there, how true she is to herself in, in the work that she puts out and just how dang prolific she is. And it's, it, you know, it's not that she puts out just shoddy stuff. She puts out really good content. And I'm just always wanting to learn how to be more prolific and just put a lot more good ideas out there in the world. Um, because I know that that's just going to lead to, to more good things, more right. impact, more opportunities for me. Absolutely. All right. So what's one book every entrepreneur should read? Mm, another really hard one, but uh, I, I mean, I could list off a whole bunch of them. Okay, let's go with let's go with empathy. Um, there's a book called Nonviolent Communication. Now, that might seem like a really odd book to recommend, and it's not a business book, it's not a marketing book, but what it is is it's a relationship book, and it teaches you how to communicate with people. It teaches you how to communicate, identify the needs of the other person. It, it helps you identify your own needs, how to make those needs match up. So as a marketer, it's invaluable for just learning how I think a salesperson or a marketer can learn a whole lot because needs are the fundamental motivating, the fundamental building block of human motivation right. and behavior. Right. And if you can understand that, man, is it powerful and uh, also doesn't just makes your relationships a whole lot better. So uh, nonviolent communication by Marshall Rosenberg, I think is the name. Marshall right. Rosenberg. Yeah, we'll find the answer. I'll put it up on the show notes page. Okay, great. Good answers. All right, now, tough question, especially for you as a musician. What music's on your playlist right now? Hmm, what music is on my playlist right now? I was just listening today to a punk band called Hit the Lights that my wife and I have listened to for years, going back to our punk alternative days of the band that we used to be in. And I just noticed they're coming to New York soon, and we bought tickets, so I've been enjoying listening to their latest album. Um, so it's just good old pop punk. All right. Uh, you know, guitars in your face, jumping around on stage, and I'm excited <laughs> to go see them next month. So Hit Where? the Lights, that's what I've been listening to today. <laughs> Where are they playing? Um, you know, I forget what the name of the venue. It's actually one I've not been to before, and I don't remember off the top of my head. But um, all right, uh, some small, medium-sized venue here in Manhattan. All right. So, last question for you. So, what's what's the first sales activity that you do every day? Hmm. The first sales activity. Well, I, I create a lot of content. Mm -hmm. I'd say content is a big part of because if I create the right content, content, I attract the right people, I get into the conversation in the right place, I prepare them so that sales is kind of a foregone conclusion at that point. So I, I guess I'd say my content creation. Excellent. Good answer. Well, I want to thank you for joining me. My guest today has been Jason Van Orden. Jason, tell folks how they can find out more about you and uh, Internet Business Master. Yeah, so the podcast is at internetbusinessmastery.com and my latest pursuits, which is about studying the science and mindset and systems of influence online and how world-class internet influencers build their brand and grow their income and impact, um, that's at jasonvanorden.com. All right, excellent. Well, thanks for joining me. And remember, friends, make it a part of your day every day to deliberately learn something new to help you accelerate your success. And one easy way to do that is to make this podcast a part of your daily routine whether it's on your commute, in the gym, or in your morning sales huddle, because then you'll make sure you don't miss any of my conversations with top business experts like my guest today, Jason Van Orden, who shared his expertise about how to accelerate the growth of your business. So thanks for joining us. Until next time, this is Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone. Thanks for listening to the show. If you like what you heard and want to make sure you don't miss any upcoming episodes, please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher.com. For more information about today's guests, visit my website at andypaul.com.